1: Come on, side, side, side. <laughs> side, 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 side. <laughs> Strapie, yeah, on the track. <laughs> Come on, side. <laughs> Come on, side. <laughs> Today's episode of Come Inside the Podcast is sponsored by HBO Films' new movie, OG, premiering this Saturday at 10 p.m. OG stars Jeffrey Wright as Lewis, who is in the final weeks of a 24-year prison sentence in a maximum security prison. OG takes an intimate and unflinching look at the journey of one man at the precipice of freedom. After nearly a quarter century behind bars, he must confront the impact of his actions and the challenges of re-entering society. Groundbreaking, it was filmed on location at Pendleton Correctional Facility in Indiana, and its cast includes several of the men incarcerated there. The film premiered at the 2018 Tribeca Film Festival, where Wright won Best Actor in a U.S. Narrative Feature Film. Be sure to tune in to OG, streaming now on HBO Now and HBO Go. Come on, son, son. It is Come On, Son, the podcast. Y'all know me. I am Ed lover now. A couple of little weeks ago, but oh, first of all, I got to give all due respect to my man, Combat Jack. I'll never forget that. Combat Jack is the overseer of everything I do as far as podcasting is concerned, because he's the one that put me in the game. Now, a few weeks back, I did a podcast. It was about a TV show, and I had a bunch of young ladies that were strippers here, and I got a great amount of feedback from everybody, but one particular woman who's the producer of that show, I told her that I would have her back so we could do a one-on-one podcast because her story is so incredibly inspirational and interesting. And I have a lot of stuff to talk to her about Shante Pages. Hey, Shante! Hey, hey, hey. How are you, darling? I'm
0: good. I'm How? so happy to be back.
1: Tell everybody about your show that you have on right now.
0: Beyond the Pole, Beyond the Pole. is about everything surrounding the life Of an exotic dancer. Yes. I have six exotic dancers. Um, A few don't dance anymore. Mm -hmm. And then I have Coach Stormy who I brought in to kind of help them navigate and find their way into their businesses beyond the pole.
1: And people can find that where?
0: Umc.tv.
1: Umc.tv. And congratulations, is doing well. Thank you. It's you doing, guys, extremely
0: well. you're doing extremely well.
1: doing extremely well. People are talking about it. Word of mouth is very, very positive. And everything is going extremely well. And we touched on a little bit the last podcast because you had two of the young ladies here with me. And people just thoroughly enjoyed them once they opened up and started talking. I got them to start talking. Right. And people really enjoyed, you know, a behind-the-curtain kind of look. Mm-hmm. at what life is truly like for an exotic dancer in this world. and But before that, we had talked a little bit about your career. And I was like, well, I got to have you back to do your own podcast. Right. So now let's talk about Shantae Page exclusively.
0: Okay, let's do it.
1: When did your career start? Where did it start? What was the first thing you was doing in the entertainment business?
0: Uh, The first thing, well, it started when I was at Howard University, actually.
1: Okay, did you go to Howard when Diddy was in Howard?
0: Did left, and I, you know, he he left the year I came. Okay, but yeah, but I know him because he would always come back. You know, right, you know, homecomings
1: know and all that Martin other Hitz, stuff.
0: All of us, Chris Hicks, Ryan Chris Glover. Hicks,
1: Ryan Glover, Mark. All of y'all, uh, all of us, Howard alums,
0: all of us. Yep. What Matt was Middleton. that
1: like? Life like?
0: It was amazing, and and the fact that we're all still so connected now. Right, you guys are eighteen, you nineteen how powerful, years old. You know. Yeah, yeah.
1: Where are you from originally?
0: Born in New York, Uh raised in the DMV.
1: Okay, so you were already in there, out there, in the DMV area. That is D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, for those of y'all who don't know what the DMV is, because you'd be surprised at who listens to this show, and they will DM me, what the fuck
0: is the DMV? Right.
1: D.C., Maryland, Virginia.
0: Home of the go-go music. Yeah,
1: home of go-go. So out of all the schools that you could go to when Mm -hmm. you graduated from high school, why did you decide to go to
0: Howard? I had to. Like, I just, I loved the area. Um, And, you know, I would always go to the homecomings in high school. I would always go to parties at Howard and the homecomings, and I was like, I got to be here. (laughs) I had a full scholarship to Bowie College, and I chose to go to Howard and pay. Really? Yeah.
1: What was that? Uh, your parents said what?
0: They rolled with it. I mean, I took student loans. They helped where they could, and yeah, they 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 rolled with it. And yeah. when
1: you and when you when you went to Howard, did you pick a major off the bat? What was your major? No,
0: I, business management was my major, but I didn't pick it immediately. I picked it to get out. <laughs> what do you mean? When you, for everybody that
1: didn't go to college, what do you mean by that?
0: <laughs> I, that was the. That was the easiest um, major th- that I could get out quick, cause I didn't, I didn't, you know, I knew what I wanted to do, and when I saw Diddy's success, I was like, hey mom, I don't, I don't have to stay in college. Look what Diddy's doing. And She was like, no, you stay in your ass in college.
1: So you did the whole ride, the whole four years.
0: Yeah, it's about <laughs> four and a half. Yep.
1: So your mom's was like, hell no. You
0: know, I don't not know who after- Diddy is. You're not, not following <laughs> behind him. I don't, you know.
1: When did you know that you wanted to be in the entertainment business? When At did At you know?
0: Howard.
1: At Howard. What, so, what sparked
0: it? I started managing a group called Quattro. Okay. Um, I brought in uh, Terry Ross, who was one of the noontime partners. Mm-hmm. He wasn't noontime back then, but um, I brought him in to, to manage them with me because he was the money guy. Right. And um, Michael Ealy was in that group.
1: Michael Ealy, the actor. Michael
0: Ealy, the actor, was in that group. Michael Ealy can sing. Yes, he can.
1: Really? Yep. So we must, uh in the future, we might be seeing some, maybe, some Broadway or some stuff yeah. out of Mike.
0: He doesn't like to sing, but he can sing,
1: and <laughs> he hates mean? me to tell the what story. What do you mean but, he don't I mean, like he, to sing? He, he doesn't like. To How sing. is he in the group if he don't like to sing? Well, he
0: did back then, but now he's like, oh, I'm an actor. You know, don't tell people, you know, I can sing. I'm like, you no. Know, you
1: can sing. No, it's cool to be well-rounded. What yeah. is he talking about? Is yeah. he tripping? Mm-hmm. You better let them vocal pipes go. Who did the group approach you, this group quattro, and say, hey, what, will you manage us, Shantae? I don't
0: remember how it happened. Um,
1: and what did you know about managing the
0: group? Nothing. Absolutely <laughs> nothing. Nothing. But I got that group to Gene Griffin. Okay. That guy. Yes. Um. Basic Black uh teddy riley was in the mix like so that's how i know i know aaron and damien to this day from guy from that
1: right and gene because, griffin
0: yeah gene GR Productions. gene managed my group and and them so it was all one big melting pot okay he didn't he didn't end up doing anything with the group but for me I, you know i felt accomplished because gene was so big in the game back then
1: yeah you know? huge yeah because guy was Out of control.
0: Out of control. They were huge. They were the biggest thing ever. And Chucky Thompson used to charge me like $100 for for a track.
1: Chucky Thompson? Chucky
0: Thompson did all the records.
1: Six degrees of separation. Chucky Thompson. Yes. When I lived in West Orange, my first marriage, Mm -hmm. I lived right there. Chris Lighty, God rest his soul, lived right next door to me. Yes. Right next door to Chris was Chucky
0: Thompson. Chucky Thompson. (laughs) I used to go in his basement. They would record. Yeah. yeah
1: the amazing producer, Chucky e. Thompson, who could producer. replay anything. Chucky e. Thompson, if y'all don't know what Chucky e. Thompson is, look up his Wikipedia, because Chucky e. Thompson
0: Mary J. Blige, Biggie, amazing, Faith.
1: Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And Chucky e. Thompson is the kind of producer that if he likes the sound of a certain record, instead of sampling it, he'll replay it. Mm-hmm. And he'll look and find out what instrument they use to play that certain sample, the original, and he'll go find the instrument. He's a beast. Yeah, he's a, he's a fucking monster. Mm-hmm. So all of you guys are in in Howard together?
0: Everybody in that D.C. area, yep. Wow. Chucky's studio was walking distance from Howard.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, so you're talking about what, 1990? 1990... Well, 1992.
0: Right. 1992, 1991.
1: Yeah, when when one of the greatest eras of music yeah. period when everything had started, everything, yeah, everything is bubbling. Yep. Everybody is is doing this. So you get out of Howard.
0: Graduate and move to New York the very next day.
1: The next day? The next day. Had you been to New York a lot?
0: Yeah. I was I kept going back and forth. Like I wanted the music business. Okay. I just didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew that I had to be in it.
1: Where where did you live when you first moved to New York?
0: Uh, I moved in with with Chuck Bone's wife, Carla Bone, and my oh and, and my friend, and, yeah, and my friend Ayanna Brown. Okay, so they were roommates. I became the third roommate. Y- used to hang my clothes on like a little, you know, <laughs> clothes hook. And, right? Yeah. And that's where I lived. And then Carla eventually moved out. You know, she she got her own place. She right. she got with Chuck Bone. And, right. You know. And now um,
1: what borough what were you guys? Tayana
0: and I were roommates. We were we were in West New York, New Jersey. Right there. Right there with Chante. the view. I yep. used
1: to live in West New York, New Jersey.
0: Yep. yep. I raised my kids
1: in Edgewood. Y'all lived in the galaxy.
0: In the galaxy. Why
1: wow, you probably lived in the galaxy where it wasn't much on River Road at it that was time.
0: Nothing on River Road us well, that's what that was it the, the galaxy.
1: galaxy was and the only Damien thing there. Lived
0: right in the other building
1: <laughs> wow yeah
0: and yeah, Trench was, lived downstairs Trench was downstairs yeah
1: and then when they when they
0: blaze uh, blaze blazy blaze yeah Blackhead kittens husband at the time right El- uh yeah elliot blaze or whatever he had um
1: the galaxy was the shit the galaxy had a movie theater in the building
0: yes I was going to move
1: into the galaxy at one time. We were
0: living on a budget, but we were balling. (laughs) We were balling. That car car wash
1: wasn't there yet, was it? The
0: car wash wasn't there, but we had a movie theater. We had the galaxy kitchen. Like, if it snowed, we didn't have to go anywhere. Yeah,
1: you certainly did. You just
0: walked through the building and go get something to eat.
1: Because y'all were up on, uh, the entrance was up on, um, it's in West New York. Damn, I used to live over there. I can't remember the name of the street. Three Yeah. Right there in yeah. hawking. Mm-hmm. So y'all was up there. Main
0: Street. Was it Main Street?
1: Boulevard East. Boulevard East. Yep. That's exactly what Boulevard it is. Boulevard East. Right there. And then when I went to L.A. and I came back, for a while I lived in a hotel that I went and looked for an apartment and I moved in Port Imperial. Okay. I lived in Port Imperial. Then I left Port Imperial and I moved up to Edgewater.
0: Wow. And
1: then when my wife and I split and we got divorced, she stayed in West Orange in the house and then she moved to another place and then she brought the kids closer to me in Edgewater. So that's where my kids went to, to public school and high school and junior high school, all in Edgewater, New Jersey.
0: Yeah. I yeah. love. I loved it over there.
1: Yeah. Absolutely Until they raised it. the fucking toll prices. And, and then I was like, I got to get out of here. Right. How much was the toll when you first lived? It was $4. It was $4. It was $4. It was yeah. $4. It was $4 damn dollars. And when I, I used to ride the little
0: Jitney bus over. <laughs> <laughs> Had to get back before they cut it off at night. Wow. <laughs> or you'd have to take a cab. Yeah,
1: that's yeah. crazy that you lived in the damn galaxy. Oh, yeah.
0: And Usher used to sleep on my couch all the time. Why? Because Usher was recording with Puffy. And Puffy when he wanted to go do whatever he wanted to go do, he would call us and be like, oh, can y'all watch Usher?
1: Can you watch Usher? <laughs> he
0: was a kid. Yeah.
1: Wow. I mean, like, he was, like
0: 22 years old. He's, you know, he was like 14, 15. I don't know. He's, He's a, a little kid. boy. He was a little boy. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Wow.
0: See, in this day and age, you'd be like, no, I can't watch him. But back then, you'd be like, oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, we ain't doing nothing. Right. Drop him off. <laughs> did Puff had the cabaret in?
0: I don't know what he had back then. Puff Mark, had a cabaret. Mark Pitts, him or all, the, everybody was Biggie. Like everybody was up in uh, Scarsdale.
1: Yeah. Yeah, wow.
0: Yeah, was it Scarsdale?
1: Wow. Because I remember when Puff, when I was in Hackensack, Puff lived around the corner from me.
0: Yeah.
1: When I was in Hackensack back in the days. Yeah. And he had a red cabaret with a white top. Oh,
0: uh, that might have been the days. <laughs> that might have been he the days.
1: He was right or right. He was not too far from me. Mm-hmm. In Hackensack, New Jersey. And then a lot of people started moving over there also.
0: Well, he, that, no, this is when he was in. Um,
1: Scarsdale? Upper,
0: upper New York. Yeah. Okay. Is that yeah. Scars-
1: Scarsdale? Yeah, that's well, yeah. yeah. Almost so Mount Vernon yep. and all of that. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. when, he was, living there. That's when yeah. he was a wild boy. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Puff. Shout out to Puff all day and day, Puff. And,
0: and, and only if you know him. If yes. you know him, know him, yeah. can you call him Puff?
1: Oh, I still call him Puff. Right. If you fuck around, I'll call him Sean sometimes. <laughs> right. So boy, I know your mama. <laughs> right. All
0: right. So yes. stop it. Stop it, stop, it mm-hmm. stop it,
1: Sean. I love it. Stop it, Sean. Stop it, Sean. So what was the first job that you got? So you now you're living, you're living in the galaxy in New Jersey. You just moved there. What was the job hunt like for you?
0: I started waiting tables at a restaurant called Jezebel's. And I know you I, know that. Of course restaurant. I know yes.
1: Jezebel's.
0: i Never waited tables in my life. Um, and not that at, was like
1: the spot.
0: That was the spot.
1: This is before Puff had uh, um, Justin's. Yes, way Jezebel's before. was the yes, shit.
0: Alberta, rest in peace. She yes, she saw something in, in me. She hired me. Um, so I was working there and the coffee shop.
1: No waiting way.
0: Tables. So my mom was like, You graduated, my mom and dad, you graduated from college, you're waiting tables, right? But I was making like Forty, fifty thousand $50,000 a year at the time waiting tables. Right. Like, we were making some money. And back then, you know, that was a lot yeah. of money.
1: Yeah, hell yeah.
0: So I figured, you know. With that, I could go to parties. I could mingle. I could meet. You know, everybody who was anybody was coming to that restaurant.
1: Yes, you yes, You had the Denzel right.
0: Washingtons to, you know, the L.A. Reeds. Yes, everybody. Everybody it was the black who's. Yes, who's.
1: everybody hit Jezebel's yes. at one point or another. Yes. Absolutely, it was. Sometimes you couldn't even get in Jezebel's. Yeah, if they didn't give a damn who you were. No, you wasn't getting in there because that's played Spike Lee. Everybody yeah. was in Jezebel's. Absolutely,
0: everybody. So that's what I did. I did it for like two years. Uh huh. Um,
1: still with your eyes on the prize of the music. Still with my business. eyes
0: on the prize. That I started, you know, hosting events and doing parties with the gas station with Chuck Bone. <laughs> wow. yeah, yeah. Yes.
1: Small world.
0: Small world. Right. Um, just you know, I, I just was like, I got to figure out a way to navigate and get in, and I didn't, I didn't know how, but I was like, I'm gonna figure it out. So I got with Jay Norris, who was who went to Howard too. Mm-hmm. Um, we started a company called NetSquared. Okay. Um, And we did parties. uh, Oh shoot! What was the name? Um, Was it opera? What? Where do we do? It was a party. Envs. Okay. Did you ever come to Envs? Yes. We did Envs, and that was another everybody who was a who too. But I I made it so if if you knew me, like it was cool. Like I would get you in. Right. So I had Chris Lighty's, the puppy, everybody coming to the door saying Shantae Page or what you know. Right. I figured, okay, that's how I'm going to get my name out there. Right. <laughs> so that's what I did. Oh, Mike wow. Tyson, everybody came.
1: Yeah, everybody went through yeah. one at one point. And then when, when did you get your first official music business job?
0: That was um, just, just by happenstance. I was at lunch one day, and a, an entertainment attorney said to me, you know, Jeff Finster is looking for an assistant. And I was like, yeah, but I'm making too much money waiting tables to uh-huh. take a cut to be an assistant and make $20,000 a year, and I'm making... 50 um but then you know he was just kind of explaining it to me and he was like well if you want to get in you got to figure it out and you you know get in don't stay in assistant zone too long navigate and you know and right. move on so i thought about it went in and met with jeff jeff made it clear he had already made his decision to hire somebody else but based on the relationship with the attorney he took he took the, inter, you know, the interview with me. Okay. And so I'm sitting there like, Like, okay, what the well, fuck well, am I doing yeah, here then? Yeah. So I sit there, I talk to him, and at the end of the interview, he was like, I like you. Like, t- can you take a typing test? Because I really need you to type. It's like, oh, shit. I don't know how to type. So he, he, so he was like, can you type? I'm like, yeah. So I take the typing test. I suck. Right. And so he was like, I really need somebody that could type. Like, I, like my mind was set to hire somebody else. You sold me, but you can't type. I said, give me two days, I'll go take a course in typing, I'll come back, and I'll, you know, and I'll rock it. And that's what I did.
1: Oh, wow. So you really, really wanted that position. At that point. It and was, Jeff Finson it was, was yeah. at, at what label?
0: At Jive. At, at Jive. Jive. And
1: who was on Jive at the time?
0: Mm-hmm. Who they have? R. Kelly. Okay,
1: <laughs> the infamous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: uh, That was around the whole time of Aaliyah. Okay. Um, Britney Spears, Backstreet Boys, Tribe Called Quest, Akineli.
1: Some uh, pretty heavy hitters yeah. over there at Java at yeah.
0: the time. A huge. Joe. Right. That's how I know Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah.
1: So you actually went and and took a typing course?
0: Yep. <laughs> Came back and rocked it. And you typed, did? Typed like 70 words a minute. And it- he was like... Like, he was just, like, baffled, like, wow. Right, yeah. how
1: do you go from not knowing right. how to type at all to type <laughs> right. in. So he hired you. So he hired me. Starting salary was what?
0: I don't even remember, but it was low. I mean, I took a pay cut. But what, Alberta was so amazing. She never let somebody work Saturdays only because she was like, you've got to work, you know, you've got to work the slow days and, you know, the great the right. days that are, like, really lucrative. But she knew what I was trying to do, so she allowed me to take that job and still work Saturdays with her. Wow! For the first year, so I could, you know, so I could keep supplement like, your yeah. income. Yeah. Yep.
1: Absolutely. So, how many hours were you doing over a job?
0: That was full Day time. Hour. Full time, like eight hours. Yeah, no, like twelve.
1: Twelve hours, and then
0: then I would go do parties. Then on Saturdays, I would do Jezebel. Then I had a side hustle with Noontime, and I was, you know, trying to sell their tracks. Yeah.
1: And you had a side hustle with Noontime. Yeah. Who, were, who were some of the people you were meeting with to try to sell Noontime tracks? Because they oh, blew up.
0: Oh, Leor Cohen, uh, Kevin Lyles. Like I was meeting with. Shout everyone. out to Kev. I just yeah. saw Cap. Yeah, that's my guy. So I was, I was meeting with everybody. Like I, like I would call. I, I didn't have any shame. Right. I would, you know, call and make it happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah, anybody at Jive were you trying to sell or you was just yeah, kept that separate? Yeah, Dave Finster at
0: the time was like <laughs> the big dog at the time. And right. I was just you would have thought it was crack. I kept trying to push their track. <laughs> and then finally, um Dave was like, you know what? These she got some she's got some really hot cats. Like right. we need to do something with them. Uh-huh. Um so eventually it, it it kinda caught on. Wow.
1: Wow. How long did you stay? an assistant to Jeff Finston. Why did you move on? I know you moved on.
0: I moved on. Um, I don't feel good about this, but he asked me to commit to a year. Uh-huh. But when the opportunity arose um, from Brett Wright, who was going over to Volcano Records, mm-hmm. uh, at the time, to start a new label, Brett wanted to bring me in, so I I quit.
1: Oh, wow. Eight months in. Eight months in, you quit, and you go with Brett... Over yeah, to Volcano. Volcano. Now, who was Vo- Volcano was a subsidiary or something? It was there's a subsidiary. Always, for those of y'all who don't know maybe listen to this podcast, there's a lot of subsidiaries. Yes. It's like a parent company, and then you'll hear about this label, that they gave somebody a label, and that label's a subsidiary. This label was a subsidiary of the major label. Volcano was under who?
0: Volcano was under, I'm um, uh, not even, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm having a brain freeze, <laughs> but yeah, they, they were a subsidiary, uh, Kevin Zinger, I think his name was at the time was, um, he, he kind of spearheaded it. Um, uh-huh. and, uh, and Brett
1: brought you over.
0: Brett brought me over. As what? His assistant? Cause as, you wasn't as, trying to be no right. assistant anymore. I made right? that very clear. So right. I was the, I was kind of the marketing and, and, uh, the marketing, the marketing arm, but I was also his assistant. So I would two titles, right. but th- the assistant title wasn't what we called me, you know? Okay. So, we, we, you know, he would say she's my, she's my, you know, marketing person, but, right. you know, if I had to answer his phone, I had to answer his phone.
1: Oh, okay. And who, and who uh, did you guys have over there? Over Well, on that Akinelli
0: label? actually came over there. Akinelli came, um, they did a deal with Gerald Levert. And um, that was called Global Soul. Okay. So they had. For his own whole, label? For his own label.
1: Were the Rude Boys under that
0: umbrella? Uh, no, I don't think so. He had the OJs under that umbrella. He okay. had a few other artists. That's how I met Leonard Brooks. Okay. Well, actually, I met Leonard Brooks before that. Shout out to Leonard really Brooks. With,
1: yes. My man. Yes. I ain't seen Leonard in a minute. Troy from 5001 Flavors introduced yep. me to Leonard.
0: Yep. I know Troy.
1: I haven't seen Leonard in a long time. Shout out to Five Man. Yep. Wow.
0: This is it's, just, wow. it's like a small, small. Yeah, world. six
1: definitely six degrees or something. So
0: Leonard had an office in there too. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, we were we were trying to make things happen there and then all of a sudden Kevin had a different a different mindset. He got with Dallas Austin mm-hmm. and Dallas was starting I think Rowdy. Was it Rowdy Records? Rowdy, yeah. yeah. Uh, he had a few artists. Dallas was popping and hot at the time. Dallas so was on fire. Dallas wanted to bring in his own team. Okay. So we walk in one day and we all have pink slips.
1: No way.
0: Yeah. We walk in one day and we all have pink slips. And I was so offended by it because I was like, they didn't even bother to meet me or, you know, to see my worth or talk to me or And it was him and Dave Gates in the office. And I walked in and said, and and I love Dave Gates, by the way. Yeah,
1: shout out to Dave.
0: But um, I walked in the office and I was like, you know, you didn't take the time to get to talk to me and see, you know, my worth or anything about me. And I was like, but I promise you, you're going to see me again. Dallas was like, what? And every time he sees me, like, we just laugh. Because, yeah, that's that's how I felt. But I was pissed at the time. Yeah. But then somebody said to me
1: How how do you say that without using a few expletives?
0: Yeah, uh, I probably did. Oh okay. it wasn't it wasn't nice. Uh, it really wasn't
1: <laughs> nice. God know me. I'd have walked in there yeah. and said, Really, I, I, this is y'all really, gonna do and you really don't meet on with some me. Fuck
0: you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Some fuck you shit. Yeah. You know what? Fuck both of y'all. Yeah.
0: Y'all yeah. would see me again. Yeah. That's basically what I said. <laughs> But somebody was like, You're never nothing in the music business until you get fired. So I was like, Okay, I'm on my way up now. Right. That's how I looked at it. <laughs>
1: So where do you go after that?
0: I was jobless. For how long? Uh, it started to hurt. I want to say for about a good year. So I started doing all these little side hustles and I I did I uh did a um a charity golf tournament in the Bahamas. Somebody hired me to do that. You know, I'll talk my way into anything. Right. I never did that in my life. <laughs> but I got all of the B listers at the time who were A listers now right. out to the Bahamas. Uh the Chris Spencer's, the um uh Ke- um Damon Wayans, uh Wayne's, um who else? I even got uh Jermaine Jackson out there.
1: Oh wow. Yeah. Jermaine Jackson ain't never been on B list. I, I they I don't were all damn. there. Like, he's royalty. Like, yeah, that's like, royalty. Hey, I don't
0: know how I did this, or, it, it was myself and, and um, Lorna Lightfoot, uh-huh. who uh, was one of my partners in that Square with Jay Norris. Right. And so we did that. I so I just did little you know side hustles to keep the bills paid, but um, it was getting tight. So there was a um a music convention in Nevada. What I, I forgot what it was what it's called. Mm. Um you you probably remember but they would always do it in Nevada cuz then all the all the radio people would go yeah. to all the bunny ranches and everything. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: So, it was in Nevada and Tina Davis, shout out to Tina Davis. Shout out Tina Davis. She was like, "You should come." And I was like, "You know, my money's tight right now. I can't go right. to no, you know, music convention." And she was like, "No, well, you could stay with me, you know." She was at she was at um where was she at uh uh what was the big rap label back then?
1: Uh Def Jam?
0: She was at Def Jam. Right. So Def Jam was covering her room. So she was like, You could stay in my room. You don't have to cover it. Just get out there. Right. Um so I did. Okay. And so I'm playing the slot machine and then somebody taps me on my back and it's Kedar Massenberg. Oh wow. And Kedar is like, you know, I've been I've been watching you for a minute and I've been seeing you move and your hustle and everything you're doing. He's like, I want you to come work with me. But you gotta give up everything you're doing. You can only work with me at Kidar Entertainment. I don't wanna hear about you doing parties and this and that and golf tournaments. I don't wanna hear about none of that.
1: Right, and what are your thoughts?
0: I said, okay, if the salary's right, I'll do it. Right. So that's, that's what happened, and he told me, write it down on a napkin what I wanted, and I did.
1: Right there while you're at the slot <laughs> machine?
0: Yeah, right there. I was like, oh, I had the jackpot. Wow. So I wrote, wrote it down. And um, he was like, "Get with Kojo, who was his GM at the yeah, time." Yeah, shout out to Kojo. Yeah, and he was like, um, "Y'all, you know, we'll work it out."
1: Just like that. Just like that. You wrote down what you needed. Yeah. To survive. Right. Plus some.
0: Yeah, a little bit looked, more on top. I kind of, I kind of undercut myself, but you know, you do that. You yeah. don't know any better.
1: Yeah, and you are looking at just that paper, you say here. He looks at it, say, "Okay, get the Kojo, mm-hmm. let, and you're good." Yeah, when, and what, I, when we get and back, what,
0: you know, when we get back from right. Did from you think Nevada. he was bullshit?
1: Because you know, people no. in this business bullshit. I knew Kedar
0: wasn't because Kedar was one of those like, he, he, you know, he's abrasive. Yes, you know, so I, I knew he meant business. Right. And he would come to all the parties I did, you know. Uh-huh. So I did know him from, right. from that world. And brought
1: you in over to Motown.
0: Brought me over to Kedar Entertainment. Kedar Entertainment just started Kedar Entertainment. Oh wow! Just started it.
1: Okay. Yeah. Under what capacity over at Kedar?
0: Um, I was director of publishing and production. So I handled, because he, most of the artists like Erica and uh, Chico, all of those artists. They were was, all
1: signed to Kedar Entertainment. Kedar,
0: yeah. Okay. Kedar Entertainment and Kedar, they had, he signed them publishing deals too. Okay. So Gerald Isaac, I was like shopping his tracks. Uh-huh. You know, the same thing I, I, I was doing for Noontime, Noontime right. before I was doing for Kedar.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. So who was at Kidar when you got over there?
0: Me, him and Kojo.
1: That's me, it. Him,
0: Kojo and Lynn Scott started Lynn Scott started shortly, I think after
1: What and artist? Sincere
0: Thompson. Shout Sincere. out to
1: my man Sincere yeah.
0: Thompson. Sincere Thompson.
1: The man who took me to Cognac France. Mm-hmm. And made me a Martel ambassador. Shout that's, out to... That's,
0: that's the dude right there. That
1: is my man 50 grand for life. Yep. Love him.
0: And Frank Fraley. Okay. Frank Fraley was there.
1: Yeah. And, and his... what artists did y'all have signed? Because you mentioned Erica Badu. Uh,
0: Chico DeBarge. Chico DeBarge. Um, we had an artist named Granique. Okay. Um, she was from the DMV area. And Profile. Okay. Profile was a, was a four-guy group. Um, and like so I pro, that group. yeah yeah they had the song liar yeah that blew up yeah so that, so that was the first group a and r profile mhm
1: okay, and then as i got i'm sorry trying to tell you, you know i know but there may be somebody listening that does not know what does an and r do
0: so a and r is short for and repertoire okay and you basically you know, you have the power to sign the artists you pick the songs you pick this if it needs a songwriter producer if you're finding a song that's already created, um, you know, it could be any of those things. But we would also get the songs mixed, mastered, right. everything to get to without the artwork, you know, everything that the musically we, w- we would handle. So do
1: you go back to Noontime immediately for some tracks for Profile?
0: Absolutely. That's what I did. <laughs> noontime was on every single album.
1: Every single album. Yep.
0: Noontime producers, Brian Cox, Jazzy Faye, J-Dub, uh, yeah.
1: You're talking about some heavy-hitting dudes right there. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Uh,
0: Dent, Anthony Dent, yep. Uh-huh. So, yeah, you know, I, I showed love. Yeah. That's how I get down.
1: So how how long did you stay over with Key did you Did you transition when he went to Motown?
0: I did. Okay. Yep. I transitioned with him, and once we became Motown, I don't know, I stayed, I think, for about four years, maybe.
1: What happened with Motown and Kidar Massenburg?
0: I think Kidar was, they, 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 he lost his power when they, when they put him in that position in Motown. Like he could do it, when we were Kidar Entertainment, he'd be like, fuck you, I'm not turning it in and it's gonna come out when it comes out. And right. They had to go by his rules. But once he became the president of Motown, that changed. We had to have structure. We had to have, you know, every three months something had to come out. You know, we were just throwing stuff out, you know, see what, seeing what sticks. Right. So it, it, it made it more difficult.
1: And then when those things that you're throwing out don't produce the results, it's your fault. Right. But they need to have something they, come out. Every, they
0: need to have something. Every yeah. three
1: months. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that kind of like a, to the detriment of the artist? Yeah. Because the artists come to you and they believe in you. And they believe that you're going to do right you by have them.
0: Their, your, their life in your hands. Right. Yes.
1: And then three months later, you really know when this project is not ready, but you have to because of your deadlines with the parent company. Right. Put something out, so you just throw them out there, and then they fail.
0: Well, what happens? We could take we could take a while to to, to record the album, but once we st- we once we were promoting a single, right, or promoting anything that had to do with that album, you got in that three month window. So it was like, okay, you're promoting this single, we got to put this album out, you know, within 3 months. Why? That's just the way it worked.
1: Why why can't you just let it bubble a little more until it takes off and do what it really supposed to do and then put the album out? I don't
0: know. Out? I mean, maybe they do that now, you know. Right. But they didn't they didn't then. So it it yeah. It was a tough situation. And, and you know, Keydard is the type of guy. He has a heart. He cares. He really yeah, cares he, about yeah. the artist. About so. his artist. He didn't yeah,
1: so. sign nobody that he didn't right. have not wasn't personally invested in in some way, shape, or form.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So he, um, I think, I think he, he took, the, he, you know, he took it hard. Right. A lot of that hard, you know.
1: Uh-huh. And when did I think,
0: it, I think they didn't set him up to win.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, that's the way of the world sometimes. Yeah. When did it end for you guys over there? Did you leave?
0: Um, I left a year before he did.
1: Okay. Um, Why did you decide to leave?
0: I well, I felt I saw how they, you know, I saw how they were sabotaging a lot of our records.
1: Okay. Um,
0: I saw that Who's the
1: parent uh, company to Motown at Universal. the Universal. Universal, okay.
0: Um, I saw that we weren't set up to win. Uh-huh. And I felt... Who else, uh,
1: excuse me, who else, before you finish that, who else was under that Universal umbrella at the time? What other subsidiaries were they?
0: Um, was
1: Def Jam there at the time?
0: No, Def Jam wasn't there at the time. Okay, It was um, Charles Suit had, Charles Suit and Steve Rifkin both had something under that umbrella at the time. Um, we were officially Universal Motown. Right. But it still wasn't. Like, we, we, it was still us against them. It was weird. Yeah, you're, like, you're
1: competing with, with yourself. Right. Like, yeah. everything that comes out is a, it's a, it's a hard competition for everybody because you putting the record out, Charles Sutton, and, and Steve Rifkin's getting the record out. Everybody's trying to go for that same chart position or that same hit record at the right. same time.
0: Right. Instead of us figuring out, okay, well... Here we're gonna put this one, and then we're gonna you know we're gonna work collectively as a team it just it just didn't work.
1: It way. was all separate companies, yeah, so Universal is basically sitting there throwing everything out there, and if something sticks and it blows up, then we make our money back from all the money we spent on this other shit, right, and then fuck this other shit,
0: and sometimes when they threw it out there, it would take off you know uh uh-huh. it, it it would do that what what
1: is the record that you guys had that that Universal threw out there and it took off uh
0: well. Kim took off, I signed Kim you Kim, signed Kim I signed Kim
1: my wife yeah. loves Kim, yeah,
0: but see, Kim already had a, a base, he already had a foundation, he already was selling records out of his trunk, oh wow, so you know, me signing him it you know it just put a machine behind him, so right. that immediately took off,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Kim is a really great artist too, yes, he yeah, he's fantastic, dope. and he had
0: a great backstory, mm-hmm. and you know I think he I think people really felt him and, and he resonated with people. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Great. So you leave a year before and voluntarily walked out the door? Yes. To do what?
0: To, um, in my mind, I was like, I'm going to do TV and film. Okay. And I thought it would be a lot easier to get in. You know,
1: nobody said Shantae, your services are not wanted here
0: anymore. No, nobody said You
1: that. just said, I'm done.
0: I just said I'm done.
1: Did you stay in New York? You was done. You gonna stay in New York and do television and film, or are you going to LA? What'd you? Uh, know?
0: I was gonna stay in New York and do it because there were a lot of, you know, there was a lot of um, productions happening right in, in New York. So that that was the plan. I had cushion. I had a nice little cushion, and I said, okay, I'm gonna give myself a year to figure this out. Uh-huh. And um, that was probably not a smart decision (laughs) why not because that it was it was tough i didn't i didn't i didn't realize you know that the the tv and film the production they don't they didn't really respect music they looked at us like you know we were just handed stuff and you know we're getting paid a lot of money and we were lazy kind of people and they really coming in they were like we don't care you were a senior vice president, you know, you right. could be a PA. Really, it was that type of thing. So I did. I I, I did PA.
1: You PA for who?
0: I PA for various productions because I was like, you know, I'm a humble myself, and I'll start from the bottom. You know, I, I'll do that. And when people would see me, they would think, "Oh, you're over here. You're running stuff over here." And they had no idea I was even a PA.
1: Right. You're like, no, I'm I'm a PA you're over right. here. I'm a PA. Yep. Right, I'm basically go get the coffee, go get this, go get that. Make sure this person get there. When you grab talk that, about this, humble? That. Yeah,
0: that's humble.
1: <laughs> Who hired you as a PA first?
0: Um, it was it was a couple. Were you of working video. on videos and stuff? Yeah, it was a couple of video shoots. I was a PA. I, I remember Rick Ross was on one, and and Trey Songz, and you know, and I knew all the artists, so they were just like, "Yo, Shantae. right? But had no clue. Oh, wow. So I'm trying to hide, then I'm a PA.
1: Right. right. Yeah. So you go from a senior vice president... Yeah. ...that you walked away from the label. Yep. You know, even... Did you ever have any second... Any doubts about that? Any second... Any... I did. Reservations? Like, damn, maybe if I I should have stayed over there... ...and yeah. even if Kidar left, maybe they'd have kept me within the universal system.
0: Yeah. I did. I did have that. But then Kidar reassured me and was like, no. Like... I, I was his right hand. Right, he was like they would have got rid of you, you know. Right, if they, if they didn't keep me, it, they wouldn't have kept you.
1: Right, because like, they blow out the whole. Yeah, they
0: blow out everybody. So everybody got that. That kind of made me feel better. Like, okay, I wasn't, you know. Because, how long?
1: How long were you PAing? Uh, if that's a term, I might,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, I
1: might have uh, made that up. PA, I probably
0: did about a good five or six. Uh, shoots and various projects and then i was like i'm not doing this shit no more <laughs> so i had to i had to figure it out and i said okay i'm gonna i'm gonna start producing my own content right and, and give proof of concept so that people will say oh you can produce on this side you right know, you're not just a music producer so that's what i did and what's um, the
1: first thing you did
0: it was called style aficionados it was two about uh two stylists um two gay stylists uh-huh. um, Dalimu and Terrell and, okay. they were, and see the thing about it is Terrell was, was styling all the hip-hop artists uh-huh. and um, he I don't even know if the hip-hop artists knew whether he, he was gay or not I don't I guess it didn't matter because he was so dope right um, to them but uh, you know he, I just saw compelling personalities and I, I, I fell in love with them so I said I want to I want to tell their story Right, and so that's that's what I did. I shot um, webisodes, took it to Ryan Glover, who was at the time at um, at Turner Peachtree TV. Okay, and sold it to them to air on. Um, they they were doing a new a new like website or uh-huh. whatever, and and doing webisodes back then on their site. So yeah, so they bought it. So I was able to monetize it.
1: Oh wow!
0: And then. A guy named Draino. You put Drano. your own money up for it? Yeah, I did. Oh, wow. And then a, a guy named Drano, uh, who was a friend of mine um, from the West Coast, he got the same webisodes to James DeBose. Uh huh. And James had uh, Keisha Cole's show, uh, all of the, uh, like, he was running BET. He had all the shows on BET, and he loved it. So he started hiring me for his shows. Okay. So I was like, okay. I'm in now.
1: Yeah, so now you got your foot in the door. Now
0: I got my foot in the door. But they don't automatically make you a producer. So I was doing, you know, I was d- doing the logging. I, you know, I just was getting in where I fit in. Right. Yeah.
1: Doing everything at the same time. Yep. Just running around doing everything. And when do you run across Mr. Roger Bob? Um,
0: a, friend of mine, uh, a friend of mine, Erica Monroe Kennerly, because she's married, Um, she knew Roger, she knew Roger very well. And she just kept telling Roger about me and she was like, she's there, she's working with James. And and by then I, by now I'm like story producer, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really doing some things. So she kept, you know, trying to introduce us. Um, I met Roger and then he was like, well, do you want to do post-production? And I didn't really know anything about (laughs) post-production, but I was like, uh, you know, I know, I know posts for you know is editing and you know, but I didn't know online, offline. I didn't, I didn't know any of that. But I'm like, yeah, yeah, I love posts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> is this another typing story out of you?
0: Yeah, I'm like, I love posts. And he's like, well, we got a supervising post producer. I mean, post, yeah, uh, post production supervising job at Talapera Studios. That's what we're looking for. Right. And I said. I'll do it, and he was like, "Okay, I got to set up an interview and whatever, whatever." So, um, I wasn't at the time. I wasn't living here. I was still living in New York. I just used to come back and forth all the time, right? And so they, I came here for the, I came to Atlanta for the interview. Um, I got the job, and I I didn't go back home for like maybe a month to get my clothes. So I had to like figure it out,
1: right? So what exactly? did that title entail what so, is your what is your job exactly
0: yeah so it was over all of the tv projects he had so i basically managed all of the editors there were about eight editors um and made sure they had everything they needed you know to to edit these this the um house of pain and meet Browns, right and i would um i had to deliver all the shows to turner so I had to follow it through the whole process, through the editing process, through the approval process, through the sound design mixing process, through the color process, all of that. I had to keep a schedule of everything. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. <laughs>
1: you didn't know it all? No. Could they tell or do oh, I'm
0: you... sure they could, but I was like, I'm I'm gonna figure it out. Right.
1: You was faking it till you make it, huh? Yeah,
0: I'm gonna figure it out. Wow. Two hundred and twenty two episodes.
1: Wow, with no experience. With
0: no experience. Wow. I knew enough from sitting with editors on projects that I worked on. Mm-hmm. I knew about the editing process, but I didn't know about sound design and color. Did you
1: have or... to go to every edit session?
0: Yeah, well I they we were all together in in the same you know, like area it was just a post area, right? And so, yeah, I I, I oversaw everything.
1: So they. Would... But
0: now I'm a post rat. I love it.
1: So how, well, how are you following each and every episode? You got the script in front of you. You know.
0: Yeah, we we have the script. Um, we have the final script. We get copies of every single uh, any any change they make in the script. Right. Anything. And Tyler would always have to come and approve everything. Roger would always have to come, approve, you know, approve everything.
1: So they look at every single episode before it goes out. Yep. And say, okay, good. Right. Or no. Or no. What or, happens if it's an or no?
0: They'll make the changes they want, and then they have to come back and approve that.
1: So they go back and refilm stuff, make not, the no, changes. No,
0: not refilm, but just, you know, make changes oh, in, the low. In, in editing. But, but right. well, sometimes we would, um, you know, do an ADR. Which is right. like you know add audio if it needed or mm-hmm. we would or you might you might reshoot a, a particular scene, uh, and we had strict 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 deadlines, so I would put those schedules together. So I'm I'm dealing with Turner. I'm dealing with Turner execs. Right, telling them when I can deliver. You know, trying to figure out when I can deliver. And, and yeah. And
1: you're dealing, you're dealing with Tyler Perry. And I'm dealing with Tyler Perry. And you're dealing Perry. with Roger Bob. And Tyler Perry, from what I hear, I've never, I met him once, but I've never had an opportunity to sit down and talk to him. That's very demanding with the things that he wants and, he what, is. and what he needs. He He's is a perfectionist. But, it, but, it, but it,
0: was, it was an awesome experience because it was like boot camp to me. Right. And it was invaluable. Like my, the reason why I can produce the way I produce is because of being there. Right. Yeah.
1: And you're working your ass off over that.
0: Yes. I didn't have a light. It was...
1: 12, yeah. 14, 16-hour days? Yep. Jeez. Yep. Like, you got to really want this shit to do you it. You got to
0: want it. And so, Tyler was the type of guy that he would just wake up one day and say, okay, I want to I want to shoot in the middle of delivering six episodes a uh-huh. week, which is unheard of.
1: Six just, episodes a week?
0: Well, t- yeah, we would deliver three of House of Pain and three of Meet the Browns. Okay. So, so, that's six. Right. And I was overseeing both shows. Right he would say, okay, I wanna do a talk show from my movie. You know, why did I get married? I wanna do a talk show, a late night talk show. So let's do that too. So he would, he would just throw that in the mix. <laughs> and so then uh, one day I said, well, I wanna produce it. And everybody came to me like, are you fucking crazy? Why would you do that? Like you have a solid job. Why would you right. put yourself in the fire? Because if you write that show, if you, if you write the script for that and it goes to hell in a handbasket, you're going to get fired. Right. And I was like, I got to take the chance. Wow. So I ended up producing uh, like four talk shows he, that he decided to do.
1: Mm-hmm. And um, what were those shows?
0: It was, um, it was called The Tyler Perry Show. It okay. It aired on Turner at night. Uh-huh. It, just a marketing tool for his movies. Okay. Um, like Janet Jackson, Jill Scott, they all like made appearances, but I wrote the script. So I, I had to deal with Tyler one-on-one.
1: What was that experience like?
0: Yeah, it was awesome. You know, I don't have anything bad to say about him. Right.
1: Yeah. I, but he's very particular about what he wants.
0: Oh, very. Like, yeah. Like, I had to get with it. Like, he would say, "Okay, yeah, I want to change this. I want to change that. I want to," and then he'd be like, "Okay, you ready? Let's go shoot." And I'm like, "Oh shit, wait! <laughs> I got to make changes." Like, I mean, right. I mean, it was very stressful. Wow. But I did it.
1: But it it got you on your A game.
0: Got me on my A game.
1: A hundred percent on your A game. Yep. Wow! And if you're not ready for that, you you just
0: you you're better not, if be ready. You're not ready. You're not ready. Yeah, you better so be you ready. gotta you just you gotta stay ready. Yeah. And, um So I got I have producer credits for that, and then I ended up also doing some uh, his DVD, all everything, all the editorial for that for his plays. Right. So not only am I working on the TV shows now, I'm working on the plays, talk show, everything.
1: Wow. Yeah. That plate had to be crazy. Yeah. So you're working weekends, holidays, everything. Nonstop. It's just nonstop. You just go home, go to bed, get up, go to work. Yep. Jeez.
0: Boot camp. Two two and a half years. I did that. Two
1: and a half years. And then what, why did you move on?
0: He was starting a new show. Um, I don't. I don't remember. It was, it was one of. It's one of the shows that ended up going to own. Uh huh. And I said uh, to uh, Ozzy and Will, I uh, Will Aru, Shout out to them. I was like, it's not fair for me to start a whole new show. Because, you know, he doesn't just do 10 episodes. Like, he'll do 60.
1: Right. So I was
0: like, it's not, I I don't want to tell, you know, commit to you for that um, when I know my heart's not in it to keep keep working like this. Right. I want to work on some projects that I want to work on. Okay. So they understood, And, and the thing about, post supervisors it's not easy to find somebody who understands or you know who can really do that right um so you know i gave them my notice and at and at the time roger had just left too mm-hmm. so the timing of it they were kind of like okay uh, is it because roger <laughs> but um you know i i was like i'll i'll help transition the the next person you know in, into my position but it's time to go right so that's what
1: I did. You step out on faith a lot, don't you? I do. God got his arms all <laughs> over you, Shante Page. God got his arms all over you. Mm-hmm. So how you did was it was it immediately your plan to get back with Roger or no? Or you just do you just ready well, to go yeah, do your own thing? Yeah,
0: I I I I plan on doing some projects with Roger. Uh Roger's my guy. I love him. Shout um, out to Roger Bob. Yeah, shout out dude. to Roger. Um and it just happened that Keith Klinkscale who who was at ESPN at the and time Vi
1: before that, and, and, that. Before that. and that,
0: that's my guy too. So he calls me and says, Hey, I have this, um, it's called the battle.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, um, it, it had a season and, you know, for whatever reason they didn't want to go with who, you know, was producing it before. Just so happens it was the person that fired me a long time ago. I'm not going to say his name. Wow. And he said, um, yeah. Um so we'd like I'd like you to, you know, take over. I need you to get a producing partner. So I went to Roger. Right. And that's what we did. Oh wow. So that was the first project out the gate, both of us leaving Tyler. That's what we did. And I was the executive producer of it. He was the executive producer. Right. So it was a good look. Yeah, an excellent look. And Keith uh threatened me with death and was like, You can't go over budget. Like <laughs> not a penny and not, we didn't you didn't and we didn't no we you didn't. kept it under budget huh? yeah we did
1: wow yep wow that is that's an ama- amazing amazing thing so are you still working with Roger
0: uh well I do uh Ricky Smiley for real with Roger yes
1: with Roger Bob uh
0: we five seasons in yeah um, and I had
1: a pleasure
0: yes.
1: of doing that show with you guys yes. we had a great And great I brought time. you
0: in on that yes you like, did I yes. saw you I was like oh we got to have Ed
1: yeah yeah Yeah, it was fun a lot of a lot of fun so y'all did five seasons so far
0: five seasons so far um we we don't know yet we haven't heard yet if there's going to be another season or Mm -hmm. that was that um but the the ratings were really good um people love it yeah i get i
1: get recognized for being on it yeah people i saw you on ricky smiley for real man that was fun That was funny as hell when you was on there with your wife and y'all was doing this, that, and the third. I was like, thank you. Oh, man, I remember when y'all did the thing and Gary choked and y'all put us on. I was cracking up. Yes. People just really, really enjoy the show. They love
0: the show. Yes,
1: they do. Yeah, you do. uh,
0: Yeah, so I did that with him. Um, You never know. You probably do some other stuff with him, too. Um, Yeah. I think he's getting a chance now to see me in a different light because I'm I'm, I'm doing my own show running and... Mm -hmm. And running everything through my production company. So he knows. He's like, oh, okay, she can really handle everything.
1: Right. And it's a a workload.
0: uh, It's It's not easy. There's no stress like that. It's so that stress is like what is, what,
1: What's what's the hardest part? Is the hardest part of getting the budget. What's what's the hardest part? Well,
0: you're it? handling the budget. You're trying to stay under budget. You're paying people. You're you're putting out fires. You're hiring all the crew. Wow. You're handling, um, you know, the filming, everything. That and you're goes depending. Wrong. And
1: you're depending on people to be professional.
0: And you're depending on people to be professional and to do what they're supposed to do. And you're handling the post side. You're handling, I mean, right. everything. But I would not be ready for that had I not had the experience with Tyler. Right. I just, I just wouldn't.
1: Yeah, because when you're doing your own thing and you and you got the budget and you're depending on people to be professional, people don't understand that time is money. Right. So, like when we were talking about the show that you currently have. And and LaBrie was here. Right. And LaBrie was like, well, Shantae didn't like me at first because I used to be late. And I'm like, you late? You fucking up money.
0: Yeah, you fucking up the money. And it wasn't I don't like her. I love her. But right. I was like, you're you're fucking up my money. So what right. I started doing with her, I just started shooting the scenes without her. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> you're you not right? going to be here. Yeah. So she would come strolling in. And then a couple scenes, she it was like the tail end. She didn't even know what the heck was going on. And I naturally followed that. And I'm right. like, now you got to explain that in yeah. your interview. Like, it's just whack. But I'm not going to hold up a whole entire crew because you had to get your makeup, hair, and whatever ready. Right, but she gets it now.
1: When you should have had that ready already yeah. on the days when you know that you're shooting. Right. You should do that two, three hours ahead of time. Yeah. Before you know you have to be somewhere. Let me give you all a classic example of how money can get fucked up and what Shante as a producer... And line producer and people that handle money will go through. We did a movie that was released in nineteen ninety three called Who's the Man?
0: Oh. And then Dr.
1: Dre and I played barbers that mm-hmm. became police officers. We are horrible barbers. We became cops. So we have all of these celebrities in it. We mm-hmm. do a scene where Nick, who is the proprietor of our barbershop, gets blown up in the barbershop and he dies and then Dre and I walk by, they blow out the whole front of the barbershop. And then the next scene is the funeral scene. And we had slated Mary J. Blige to sing Amazing Grace. Mm -hmm. Mary was coming. Mm -hmm. 6.30 in the morning, all the trucks show up at the the church. Everybody's ready. 8 o'clock call time, no Mary. 9 o'clock, no Mary. 10 o'clock, no Mary. She never showed up. I mean, her people are there. They're calling. They're trying to figure out where she is. She never showed up. An entire day shoot went down the fucking drain. And this is a this is not a big budget movie.
0: Right. We only had
1: three million dollars to do the movie. But that shit cost a lot. Yeah,
0: that's that's of that's fucking down the toilet. Because you still have Gone. to pay those people.
1: And then we gotta reshoot the scene with Bowlegged Legged Lou singing. Thank God Bowlegged Legged Lou from Full Force was part of the cast, and we were just rewrote it and said, well, let him, his character, right. 40, sing Amazing Grace. Right. Thank God that that was even possible, that we didn't have to go out and try to find somebody else. So you now you understand when somebody is slated to do something and film something and you're not on time and the crew is there, the crew is ready because the crew got to get paid. They don't give a fuck. Right. And these are teamsters. Yeah. You have to pay them. There's a dude that sits in the truck. Yeah. If you got, like, the 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 the, uh, the trucks where the dressing rooms are, there's a truck attached to it, and then there's all these dressing rooms. There's a guy whose job it is as a union member mm-hmm. to sit in that truck that pulls all the other to dressing rooms, and he gets paid to stay there all yeah, day. They don't, they don't play. All he do is get out, he smokes cigarettes, when it's lunchtime, he goes to eat lunch, and then he comes back and sits in the front seat of the fucking truck mm-hmm. for 14, 15, 16 hours. And getting paid out of his ass. So when you get an opportunity to do television or film, Shantae, when I did Ricky Smiley for real with y'all, was I ever late? Nope. No. Never. Never. And no.
0: always professional and you always were like ready to go.
1: Whatever y'all need to do. You know why? Because first of all, it's an honor and a privilege for you to be able to even work in this business. Right. It's not a. it's not a birthright. It's not something right. that you, you know, that you're just, oh well, I'm a superstar. I don't care. I hear so many horror stories Mm -hmm. about people dealing with people. And there's been so many stories that I've been on so many sets, and so many PAs and assistant directors and stuff like that have told me stories about some people that have been absolutely horrible to work with. I am shocked and amazed that they're doing a Bad Boys 3 right now. Mm-hmm. Because from what people told me, Bad Boy 2, Martin was a fucking pain in the fucking ass. He had them build a fence around his trailer. A fence around his trailer. And in order to talk to him, this is what the PA told me on the, when I was doing a commercial with Reverend Ron. You would have to talk to his guy
0: mm-hmm.
1: to for his guy to get on a golf cart to go and tell Martin that you were ready for him on the set.
0: Well, let me let me let me say something in his defense on that. I don't know about the building the thing around the trailer, but show running, I have an understanding of like why. Even when we heard about Steve Harvey and he said people just can't come to him and talk to him. Well, I
1: understand and, that.
0: Yeah, uh, I because everybody just comes at you yes you know, you're running a show yes and uh somebody will come to you and say hey uh you know where do i get this or what location are we going to or where's my paycheck or okay right. we have an accountant there's a supervisor that's producer, right there's all i these understand. people. why the hell would you come to me the ep showrunner asking me these questions but they do that yeah so you gotta you gotta You'd set be those Which boundaries McCallers
1: here and they want to say what's up yeah, I'm, I mean, out of oh. nowhere, when you're yeah. doing something, oh, yeah, when you're yeah, working. Yeah. Which McCall is out, out there and they want to say what's up? Now, Will didn't have a fence around this shit. And Will signed every autograph and took every picture. And the PA could knock on Will door and say, Mr. Smith, we're ready for you. And he would come. That's what Martin see, was doing, he was, he doing, he was had, gassed he, up. He,
0: No, but he probably had that temperament. Like, everybody doesn't have the temperament to be yeah. able to...
1: But And, and in his case of Steve Harvey, I just thought that... It shouldn't have been a memo. Steve should've just said something to people. He gather everybody and say, Listen, this is what this is how we're gonna operate from moving forward. Because that dude gets up, does a morning show, then he gotta go do his own his talk show. Is like his no, hustle okay. is, is out of is out of control. Yeah. And you trying to get yourself mentally prepared to do this show, you don't have time to talk to every damn body that comes in. And people shouldn't. Yeah. They shouldn't be able to get to him like yeah. that. They shouldn't. You you should chill out. Nobody should be able to. When he's walking from his dressing room to the set to do his show, nobody should be able to run up to him. Right. Nobody. And tell him nothing. Everything should be allocated and taken care of. I understand that part. But some people do get a little gassed.
0: Yeah. Yes, that's true.
1: They do. And they make your job very fucking difficult. With what you're trying to do as a producer and as whatever in whatever capacity you're in, yeah,
0: that's they make true. It,
1: and they don't, and they forget that it's a blessing to be even in that position. I have mm. never been in a position where I'm making twenty million dollars a film, or ten dollars, or five. I mean, ten well, million well, or yet. five million, not yet. Right. If I ever got in that position, I'll probably be on the set before y'all pull the fuck up, sitting in my own car. Y'all ready? Let's go. Let's right. do this because it's 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 not promised to you. Right. And when you get there, you should be a little more humble and remember why you worked so hard to get there. And, and be prepared. Be ready to go. Like, is that so
0: hard? Right. I'm
1: all, I don't for play likely, around. For
0: some people, it is. And I don't understand it. But yeah. for some people, some yeah. Sometime it take
1: their ass to hit rock bottom before until the movies dry up. Right. Until they find another star and they move on to the next person for people to, to understand. It. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I don't, uh, and a lot of, uh, this is a lot of stuff that I don't understand about this business. Like, we have a lot of artists out there. You know, you reach out, you know somebody 20, 25 years, and you say, hey, man, could could you do my podcast? And, yeah, man, I'd love to. And then you call them a million times, they don't get back to you, and then you go see them do the white man's podcast. Right. Huh?
0: Yeah. It's fucked up. Yeah. And then they see you. And it's still, oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah hey, yeah, what's yeah. up, dude? You know how I am, Shantae. Yeah, you I'm, keep I'm it real. I'm quick. Fuck you out my face,
0: right? <laughs> I was
1: about to say. I done toast. Yeah. fuck out my face, dude. Yeah. You're so full of shit. Go run over there and do that other shit. But when you were struggling and you needed somebody to give you a look, we're the same people that gave you a look. Right. But you won't give us a look. It's like it's it's, it's just insanity to me. I don't I don't understand how you keep your brain wrapped right around this shit, Shantae.
0: Yeah. But I mean everybody has And it's tougher for a woman. Yeah, it is.
1: It's super tough for okay. a woman. And you're a beautiful woman, Shantae, so Thank it's you. it's gotta be double tough for you. Oh yeah. Yeah, let's hook up. You know, you know you wanna hook
0: up and <sighs> Well nothing compares to the music business back in the day. That was the worst. Wow. That was the worst. Wow. Anything went. They come at you any way they want it, you know. It, it now, to today, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a breeze compared yeah. to what we went and
1: through. And then you, 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 right now you're hearing so many horror stories, yeah, about people that you had no idea that was doing that kind of shit.
0: Yep.
1: Back in the days when I was on MTV and and then I had the label because I had a label. We had No Face Records through through Rush Associated. Mm-hmm. Me and my partner, Sean and Mark, we had Rush Associated. And then you hear. All of this shit about Russell you hear this stuff about AJ Calloway blew me the fuck away yeah that's why I always try to keep it professional when you're dealing in a prof- a professional capacity with a woman deal with that woman in a professional capacity right if she says to you if you're single and she's single and let her make the first move if mm-hmm. she's interested in you a lot of these guys use their power to try to get a woman in the bed. And that's—I don't think that's the way you ever want to be with a woman in the first place. You know what I mean? You always—you always want to be. Women are there to do their job, and and nine times out of ten, they're smarter than you. So,
0: shit. Yeah, but it it, it was wild back then.
1: So I'm I'm not—I'm never
0: surprised when I hear the stories because I'm like, I know how many. How'd you fend that shit off? Um, I just—I would just kind of ignore them. You know, I was like, I'm not, I'm not dealing, I'm not here for that. I'm not dealing with that. Like, once you kind of shut them down a little bit, they're just like, oh, okay, she's, she's not, she's not a, you know.
1: Yeah, she ain't one of them.
0: She's not easy. (laughs) So, but yeah, they'll try you.
1: But of course you have seen and have heard of your, your peers compromising themselves. Yeah. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Doesn't that make it harder for you as a woman to succeed when they allow themselves to be used like
0: that? I don't I never looked at it like that. Um I looked at it like that, you know, that's their price, you know, that they that they're going to have to deal with. Um I personally never looked at it like they like it affected me, but I have had men come on to me and you know, I'll be like asking for a track or I want to get with the you know, the producer to get with my group and they'd be like, "Okay, well, I'm trying to I'm trying to fuck you." I'm like, "What?"
1: Straight like that?
0: Straight like that back then? Yeah. All the time. I'm like, uh and some men that I hear talking, talking all this crap on on the internet. I'm like, you were one of them too. Like, really? Yes. yes. Dudes
1: that are now standing up, Stand- yes, trying to defend talking the women, shit. talking that right. Me Too like, shit that uh, we need to yeah. do better. And right. that, uh, I'm like, you, like were you down. Came
0: at me sideways. Like, wow. Yeah, yeah you were wilding back then. Wow.
1: So, yeah. I am so glad yes. that there's gonna be nobody. <laughs> That could say Ed Lover ever mm-hmm. said anything inappropriate or did anything yeah. to them or with or next to them or there was, was no like, oh, skeletons in my should, closet like, like that.
0: Sit down somewhere because <laughs> like, I know if I feel this way, there's other women that yeah. feel this way too. Because yeah. you know, a few of them were wild back then, right? So, yeah,
1: that that's crazy. That's crazy. You know, you're 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 a true inspiration to every young black female Thank walking you. this planet earth and you're living proof that if you stick to your guns and you work hard yeah. and you learn, even when you bullshitted your way, <laughs> <Right>. and stuff, <laughs> which I find hilarious, yeah. right? That you can actually do it.
0: Yeah. Fake it till you make it.
1: Yeah. What's next yeah. for you? Films? Uh,
0: films. Yes. I actually talked to 50, um, yesterday we're fifth. going to he's going to executive produce a the next show i'm doing uh with a friend of his so you give us
1: something. a little sneak on what the show's gonna yeah. be about
0: Sunday. it's juicy it's a reality show which is going to be different but these. Now, i don't i don't know i mean he's done non-scripted but i don't know if he's ever done reality but it, it's a juicy reality show okay um reality show pays the bills but because movies take so long yeah, to get them greenlit time. and whatever, yeah. but I, I definitely have that on the horizon. The uh, documentaries. Okay. Are, and, are you,
1: um, you trying to do it on on the uh, on the network you're on, or are you trying to go major network with?
0: The, um, uh, I want I, I this one this one's gonna be major.
1: It's okay. Be a major network, yeah. Yeah, I know how you love But
0: I love the network I'm on right now with this show because I love the fact that we can be on any device, that, right? You know. That anytime you want to see it, you pull it up, and you know, I, I love I love that with the, the urban movie channels and the Netflix yeah. and Shout the, out know, to so the digital, and Shout we're out not to the held urban movie Channel, to um, Bob Johnson the censorship, and, right? Yeah,
1: you ain't got to pull no punches, right? You do what you want to do. Thank you, Shante Page. Thank you. Thank you so I enjoyed much. It. You Thank are you. an amazing, amazing, amazing woman, and we we really pray for you all the time, and we appreciate Thank you. you. Let's I come on of the podcast. I'm a head lover. Peace
0: out, y'all. Peace out.
1: Come on, son, This Ed Lover podcast is being done in conjunction with Cigars International. Make sure you check out cigarsinternational.com for all your cigar needs. This episode of Come On, Son, the podcast is produced and engineered by co-executive producers Krista Hayes and Kimana Paulus in downtown Chicago. This is an official Loudspeakers Network podcast.